0: Jesus, I just pray that um, you would help us. I like what Brad said, that you would take our small yes and make it bigger, God. Father, I, I pray that things would die today that we've been holding on to. Help us to die, Jesus. Help us to take up our cross. Lose our life so we can find it. In Jesus' name. All right, so everyone have a Bible, because I was not prepared and I did not give them the verses, so everyone needs a Bible. He was whispering during worship, he said, Sash, self-help books are more popular than the Bible because you can keep your respect and and still act like you're following Jesus. And yeah, I know. The Bible over and over again says, if you keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. And as Megan was speaking, we have to know that there is no worship without sacrifice. So we can pretend like we're worshiping, but if it's not a sacrifice, it's not worship, biblical worship. Unfortunately, there's a new wave of belief that is under the guise of Jesus, but you don't have to do anything the Bible says, and you can still follow Jesus. But I promise that fruit is death. So I felt this morning that he wants us to lose our self-respect. And there's verses that he brought to mind about Jesus. Philippians two comes to mind. Although he was equal with God, he took the lowest form as a servant. And I just think of times in my life, even recent times, when I've wanted to hold on to my respectable front with my peers and still hold on to my cross. And it just doesn't work. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us as we read your word this morning that we would lay down our self-respect for far greater glory of intimacy with you. You know, when he told the rich man, it's like he wasn't getting it. It was like, he said, give it all. And in that moment, he was like, no, this is, this is, this is life. My billions in the bank, this is life. My comfort, this is life. I'm not going to give it up. But Jesus asks him to give it up for himself. All right, so let's go to 1 Chronicles 15. I'm not going to read it all, mostly because I don't know how to pronounce all the names, but um, we're going to get to some good parts. Uh, Chuck did such a great job last week talking about the tabernacle of David, and that's not just because he's my husband. I was really impacted. I was like, you took something really big and made it, like, edible for (laughs) Miss Sasha. And so it was really good. Um, So 1 Chronicles 15. David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God. And pitched a tent for it. Then David said that no one but the Levites might carry the ark of God, for the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and minister to Him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. So there's this preparation happening, and then I'm gonna skip. You know, four through 11, which he's gathering the tribes, he's gra- gathering the brothers to have this worship procession. Okay? And then I'm going to pick up verse 12. And and he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves. Just like Meg was was speaking. You and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against it. Because we did not seek him according to the rule, according to his command, according to his way. Another thing with self-help, it's like, everything is our way. Everything is what's, what's more comfortable for us. What makes us look good? What makes us rich and happy? What makes all the worship is about self and true worship is about God. So David's instructing, we got to do it his way this time. All right, so verse 14, so the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And it it goes on and, and he's putting, he's assembling musicians and singers and gatekeepers You know, people that that keep watch over the openings and the closings and coming in. And I was looking more into the gatekeepers because y'all know that song, I'd Rather Be a Doorkeeper. How's it go, somebody? It's okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I loved it because they were in charge of letting no impurities come through. They were in charge of who came in and out. All right, and they were consecrating this place as holy. So there's so much intentionality and there's so much, um, he's putting people into leadership, not just leader, but skillful leadership. He's like, I want this guy who's really good at this way of singing in this area. I need people that have harps and cymbals and putting them all together in this ordered, beautiful procession. So a lot of times when we think of freedom and and worship, sometimes we think lack of order, but it's actually quite the opposite. He's like, well, let's put order in place so that there will be expressions of freedom. Um, So I'm going to skip down to uh, 27. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as also were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and the singers and the, oh, help me with there, Chenaniah, the leader of the music of the singers, and David wore a linen ephod. This is very interesting, as actually we were just referencing Philippians 2, that Christ basically took off his kingly garments and became a servant. And David here is taking off his kingly garments and putting on a priesthood to minister to the Lord. And David wore, I'm in the end of 27, and David wore linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting to the sound of the horn, trumpet, cymbals, made loud music on harps and lyres. It was crazy how many times they said loudly in 1 um, Chronicles 15. It's just I love that Meg Meg was on fire. I love that Meg. It was like there is so much movement. There is so much expression. There is so much output. And I'm guessing David's realizing because there's so much input. The God of creation has chosen to put his delight in us, his creation for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. And so it would only make sense that the output is wildly beautiful and extravagant because he came into our dirt, our mess and made something beautiful. All right, so we're at verse 29. And as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, Michal, 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 I don't know, Michael, the daughter of Saul looked out the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. So again, the self-respect. I mean, this is David, warrior, like, Killed 10,000. King, ki- like from his younger years, killed a lion and a bear. I mean, he's got some street cred, but he just loses it. Like he, he loses it in dancing and in celebrating King Jesus. Now we're going to go to a hyperlink, as my husband says, to Second Samuel 6. Is that correct? I think so. 2 Samuel 6. The Bible's so cool. I brought like three Bibles because I use multiple Bibles during the week, and I was like, which one has my most notes? 2 Samuel 6. I was wrong. 2 Samuel 6. I was like, none of my first Samuel 6 is highlighted. What's wrong? 2 Samuel 6. Okay, so we just took that last verse of 1 Chronicles 15, how David, a warrior king, is dancing and celebrating before the presence of the Lord, before Jesus. And here's a little bit meteor picture, starting in verse 16. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping. Okay, we're going to do this. Leaping. <laughs> leaping is happening, okay? Dancing is happening here. There is some crazy movement, okay? Right, Colin? I mean, I don't think he's just doing a toe tap. I think there is some, I don't know, some, something expressing going on, okay? He is leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So he keeps going, just like lavish upon lavish. And when David had finished the offering, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among the people, the whole multitude of Israel. This is interesting. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as the same way. But if you don't do the first one well, you won't have the overflow to do the second one well. David is worshiping with all his might, and then out of that overflow of extravagant love exchange, he's like, oh, let me bless you, let me bless you, let me bless this household. So first Commandment first, second commandment will be a duncey, okay? (laughs) All right, so, and David returned to bless his household, but Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. She's about to give him an earful, okay? How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And so, (laughs) she's like... You lost your dignity, like your your self respect among your your fellows. Like, what are you doing? You're basically naked, is what she's saying. Like, you're you're acting a fool. You're being a fool. And I love David's response. And this is what I feel like. We will receive. Let me just read it. I I, I want the church to be in this position as David is. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who who's chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be a base in your eyes, but, my, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken by them, I shall be held in honor." And I'll read 23 in a second. So basically, David's like, It wasn't for you. I wasn't worshiping to make you happy. Who's the Lord of my life? This reminded me of John 1. It said, Neither of flesh or of blood am I born, but I'm born of God. So who deserves my worship and my praise? And I pray, I know that what's sucking the power out of the bride of Christ is having the fear of man that we're so worried about what they think in the, in the church. We're so worried that if I have I, I just know it because it's in me. I want them to applaud how I do it and the way I do it and make sure that I am, look good among my peers. But I want my spirit to say what Dave said. This isn't for you, honey. This is for the king. This is for Jesus. This is for the one who saved me and who was crucified and who was resurrected for my body, for my salvation. And verse 23, and if we, this is what I feel, if we allow the fear of man to take hold of our heart, to take the throne of our hearts, I believe it will lead to barrenness. It will lead to a fruitless life. Because I think it's so interesting that the Bible writes this on verse twenty. and Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So you want to be fruitful in your life? Fear of the Lord. If you want to be fruitless, and, and then just care about what everyone thinks all the time and change your ways just so that, they, that you get their applause. Change how you look. You stay in a job that you know you're not supposed to be in but you do it because you have the applause of man. And you'll ruffle too many feathers or too many people will get hurt or lost or whatever. But God demands, demands full obedience, full consecration. (laughs) And I wrestle, but God, can't you let me do it this way? Where it's, it's not so foolish. Can I just come to you? And I've said this. I've had this conversation with the Lord recently. Lord, can't you just let me stay at home and be a mom? I'm doing so good here. Why would you make me a fool and put me in this situation and minister in this situation where my weakness is so exposed? He's like, it's not about you, honey. (laughs) But where what's funny is that we feel like we find most satisfaction with the applause of man. But that will run dry. Our full satisfaction actually comes from hearing his voice saying, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. I love that story. Let's go to Matthew 26. And I'm going to probably end a little early just so we can do a little extra worship. Matthew 26. I think it's so interesting that in the Bible, anytime that there is true worship, there's always some really unhappy people. <laughs> people that are not so happy. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Jesus, help. Help us lose our self-respect, Lord. All right, I'm going to start with verse 3. No, I'm not. I'm going to start with verse 6. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. At the table. My, he reclined at table. My Bible has a typo. (laughs) As he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. That sounds familiar. Michal spirit, be gone. (laughs) Why this waste? Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? for she has done a beautiful thing. This reminds me of Nicodemus in John 3. In John 3, he talks about being born again so that you can see the kingdom of God. So there's eyes that see the kingdom of God and that's the born again believer, right? That's when you see how God sees and you value what he values and you praise what he prays and you hate what he hates. Psalm 45, oh, I love righteousness and I hated wickedness. Therefore, you have anointed me more than others with the oil of joy. Consecration always comes with joy. Always comes with joy. When you're divided, that's where you're depressed. Let me say that again. When you're divided, when you're double-minded, when you want one foot in and one foot out, that's when you're depressed. That's when life feels hard and and you feel like you're in the miry clay. I'm not saying that when you're all in, it's like all rainbows and sunshine, but there's a joy in it. Because God said, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. He had both feet in. Okay? So, He has done a beautiful thing. It reminds me of Mary and Martha where he, she said, she has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. She's investing into a heavenly bank account. So many of us, it's like our earthly bank accounts are fat. And I'm not just talking about money, whether it's whatever we're investing, like our, like just likes and people and we're building our life based on them, based on horizontal approval, right? But he says, all that's going to be hay, stubble, burned away. But invest here, invest in the kingdom of God, because that will be eternal. For she has done a beautiful thing to me. I want the Lord to say, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Her life was a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. This is interesting to me. And I think it's Matthew 24 or Matthew 25. It talks about the tribulation. It talks about our many love will go grow cold and many will be deceived but the gospel will go out into all the nations this is interesting to me that this story will also partner with the gospel in going out so I believe that extravagant worship will be present in fullness when Jesus is about to arrive he will have a David worshiping body come on now he will have a church that is drenched in the smell of Jesus because she has broken her alabaster jar. Okay? Um, I'm not going to—yes, I will. Verse 14, I want to see the dichotomy here, the—, the parent, like what's happening here? Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So in my little research, I'm not a crazy scholar, but the alabaster flask was worth a year's wages. Okay? The 30 pieces of silver was about 4 months. The church has to get out of this mindset of portion worship. I'll give you a portion of my life. I'll give you January, February, and March, but during the summer it's all about me at basking in the Bahamas. Okay? It's all or nothing. Portion Christianity isn't fun Christianity. It's not. It's like not fun. I don't know how to describe it. Like all in Christianity is the only Christianity that's spoken about in the Bible. It's all your life. It's all my money. It's all my time. It's all my children. It's all my inheritance. It's yours. It's my comfort zone. You have permission to step on my toes because you created these toes. Okay? Amen. Come on. Step on my toes, Jesus. I know he will this week. He always does. Right after I preach, he's like, you know, remember what you said? He's like, I don't know about that. No, come on. Come on, come on, let us be more undignified. I love the word that is is in my Bible, like more base, more gross, like more don't care about what everyone thinks. I love, like his words to McCall, this isn't about you. You were not even in my mind when I was worshiping. It was so focused on the eyes of flames of fire. It was so focused on the one that took me from darkness into marvelous light. I just had to praise him. This is an 80 80 plus life. We only have one life to give him. At one point, there's going to be every knee and every tribe and tongue will see him and will worship him. But today, we get to worship him freely. And it's more costly. Hmm. Is that it? Is that all? Worship, can y'all come up? You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was six years old. And I was blessed with a mom that brought her tambourine every Sunday and she had this full skirt, she always had full skirts, and she would just lose it. I know I'm not on the camera, but she would just like tambourine, tambourine, swirl, swirl like all the time. And that was my exposure to worship. i All I saw, and then you know, um, youth. My my youth pastor would just weep when he said Jesus' name. I was like, there's something that he knows that I want to know, an intimacy that he has that I want to have, because there's something in him that's giving everything, and I want to give something everything. I want to give someone everything. Y'all can start, I mean, y'all, y'all set up whenever. But I just want to invite us to lose our self-respect. And that could be a decision. It's, it's, it's most likely a decision in your heart that he's already been dealing with. He's already been asking you, son, daughter, I want that place in your heart. You have fear there and I want to pour my love in there. So will you give it to me? Will you trust me? Can I be your security? Can I be your enoughness? Will you let me be enough? And, and it's, it's all sweet and ooey gooey when you're in the worship service and you're feeling, you're feeling it. But when it comes to like making the actual decision, and making the actual step, that's where you break your alabaster jar.